Welcome to today's subject. I'm hoping and praying you'll enjoy it. I've given it a very simple title. I've called it The End of the World. I think that's a subject people are very interested in. And I hope and pray that as we look at this subject today in the Bible that you will leave it with great confidence that Jesus has not only the future of our world under control but he has the future of your life. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, for a few moments now as we study this important subject, we would just like to pray that you will be in the church, that you'll be with the people watching on television and that you will touch hearts, lead, guide and direct and help people to understand what we look at in the Bible today. Thank you that you promise that where two or three are gathered, there you'll be. Be with us now, Jesus, we pray in the holy name of your son. Amen. My family really right back to the early part of last century, have been Seventh-day Adventist preachers. My grandfather was a preacher. I was trying to work out the other day when my grandfather would have started his ministry. I'm not sure. I think it might have been back in the 20s or the 30s of the 20th century. Then my dad in 1970 became a preacher. He has been a preacher almost all my life. And now... In the 21st century, I am a preacher. And if there is one subject that we as preachers in the Grolleman family have always preached, have always taught, wherever we have gone from Western Australia to Victoria to Queensland to New Zealand to Sydney to Papua New Guinea to the islands of the Pacific, wherever we have gone, if there is one subject that we have always taught, that we have always preached with a passion, it's this one tonight the end of the world. Now, I don't know what you think will happen at the end of the world, what the world will be like. I'm not even sure that you believe the world will ever come to an end. Most thinking people do. But I want to share with you this morning, very clearly from the Bible, what Jesus has to say the world will be like right at its very end. You know, this Christmas... I am going with my family to Disneyland. Yes, it's the first time I've ever taken my family overseas. We are, we are saving furiously to have the money to go to Disneyland. I have two daughters. One is nine and one is five. The five-year-old particularly is very, very excited. And she is asking me almost every day, daily, Daddy, how many days until Disneyland? Now, we are leaving just after Christmas Day. I know how many days until we leave because my daughter keeps nagging me, pestering me about how long it will be until she gets on the big 747 and flies to America and goes to Disneyland. She's looking forward to it with great anticipation. And just as surely as I stand here this morning, you can be sure that the day will come. It will come when I will take my family out to Sydney Airport, we will go through customs, we will get on that plane and we will go to Disneyland. And just as surely as at the end of the year I go to Disneyland, so you can count on the fact that the day will come when this world will end. It's a fact. It's a biblical fact and if you look at the world today, it's a physical fact. The world cannot go on. There will come a time and possibly in our lifetime when the world will come crashing to an end. 
I want to share three texts at the beginning of this Bible study this morning that describe, describe quite vividly what the Bible has to say about conditions at the end of the world. And I wish that these texts were more positive than they are. But we have, as pastors, we have to share what the Word says on these subjects. This is what the Bible says. And I pray that, that you'll listen carefully and you'll understand what these scriptures say about the end of time. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. This is Daniel the prophet. He's in vision and it's a vision of the end of the world. The Bible talks quite a bit about the end of the world. And this is what the Bible says. At that time, Michael, another name for Jesus, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be, now we're talking about the end of the world. Listen to what the Bible says. There will be a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Daniel says there'll be a time of distress at the end of time like the world has never seen. But he leaves us with hope because he says, after that time of distress, of trouble, Jesus will come back and deliver his people. Well, Jeremiah was a contemporary of Daniel. He lived more or less around about the same time. He too gives a vivid description of what it will be like at the end of the world. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7. Jeremiah says, under influence from God, how awful that day will be. None will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob or God's people. But he will, they will be saved out of it. Jeremiah is saying much the same as Daniel. There will be a time of trouble, a terrible time of trouble at the end of the world. But he's also saying very clearly at the end of that time of trouble, God's people, and I love this about Jesus. He tells us there's a time of trouble coming, but he says God's people will be delivered from it. Now, one more, one more text. Matthew chapter 24. This is Jesus himself speaking. Matthew chapter 24, that great chapter on what Jesus had to say conditions would be like at the end of the world. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 21. Listen to what Jesus says. If those days, talking about the end of the world, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Jesus himself says that at the end of time, there will be a time of trouble. Now, now look what he says. Look at it on the screen. He says, Jesus says, and he's talking to you in the 21st century. He says, if those days had not been shortened, Jesus says very clearly, mankind would not have survived. Yes, there is a very deep and serious time of trouble coming. It's coming for God's people but I want to tell you to this morning, I want to tell you this morning that it's coming also for the world. Now, as preachers, we have a responsibility as men and women of the word to preach the truth. And I want to tell you that the Bible never says that the world will get better. We go to elections hoping the world will get better. We pray as Christians that the world will get better. We hope for our children's sake that the world will get better. But the Bible the Bible, unfortunately, tells us that the world will not get better. In fact, the world will just continue to deteriorate. 
In fact, I, you know, I grew up in Queensland and we have these great summer storms that come from out west and they sweep across our city. And I remember, I remember watching these summer storms as they would build in the west and thinking to myself, we've got a big storm coming this afternoon tonight. Well, you want to know as a preacher of the word, I look at our world, I look at the conditions of our world and I am deeply convicted that there is a great storm coming upon this world. The Bible tells it, Jesus tells us and we better be ready for it. And this, this morning for just a few moments I want to share with you what Jesus himself has to say about the world at its very end, at the end of its life, at the end of time. Verse Three of Matthew chapter 24. This is an interesting story. Jesus, the Bible says, was sitting on the Mount of Olives with his disciples and they came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will it be like? What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? The disciples knew the world would not go on indefinitely and they wanted to know what the world would be like at the end of the age. And so Jesus begins to tell them what will be happening in the world as it comes to its end. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 23, the same chapter Jesus says, and at that time, talking about the end of the world, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe it. Verse 24, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive, look what the Bible says, even the elect, if it were possible. The Bible says at the end of time, at the end of our world, that there will be people out there trying to deceive even the very elect, trying to deceive Christians, even if it were possible. Now, if you are a Christian there is one way that you can ensure that you are not deceived. I can give you a test on any doctrine that comes into your life. You can test it, any theology, any belief that you are confronted with, you can test it by this and immediately you can tell whether it's a false doctrine or a pure, true doctrine. If you go in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20, here's this test. Any doctrine, any belief, anything that comes into your life and you are not sure of, bearing in mind at the end of time that every wind of apostasy, every wind of falsehood will blow through the Christian church, will blow through your life, you better know this test. Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Isaiah says, and this is the test. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. To the law to the Ten Commandments and to the testimony, the Bible, if they do not speak according to this word, they have no light in them. Did you get that? The Bible, the prophet Isaiah says, here's your test. You want to test whether a doctrine, whether a belief, whether a theology that comes into your life is true. Isaiah says, to the law, does it follow along with what the Ten Commandments say? And to the testimony, The Bible, does it follow the Bible? If it follows the law, the Ten Commandments and the Bible, then you can be sure. You can be sure and you can be confident that the belief, that that the doctrine, that the theology is true. But if it does not follow along with the Ten Commandments, if it does not, if it does not follow along with, with the Bible, then you know what to do with it. It's a false doctrine. And I look at, I don't know, I don't even know whether I should say this. But I look at Christianity today. I'm not making a judgment here. It's just what I'm seeing with my own eyes. 
I'm seeing examples of spiritual deception everywhere. Take, for example, the doctrine of eternal hell. There's right through the ranks of Christianity. It's a deception. It's not true. It's not in the Bible. I want to tell you that it is a, it is a slight on the character of Jesus Christ. It is an end time deception. There is no eternal hell for the wicked. There is no place where they burn into forever. This is what the Bible says. Be careful at the end of time because if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Remember to the law, to the Ten Commandments, to the Testimony, to the Bible. You can go right through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. You'll see nothing about eternal hell. What about the theology, the doctrine, the belief of life after death? That when you die, you go to heaven, you go to hell, maybe you go to a place in between. I want to tell you it's not true. It's an end time deception. It's not anywhere in the Bible. Well, this idea of a prosperity gospel, follow Jesus Christ, give your heart to him and you'll be rich, you'll be wealthy, you'll be blessed. It's not true. It's not how things work. It's not in the Bible. And yet you hear it being preached from pulpits all over the world. Jesus said, be very careful to the law, to the Ten Commandments, to the testimony, to the Bible. If they speak not according to them, it is because there is no light in them. Second sign, Matthew chapter 24, tells us that the end of the world is nigh. It says, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still not come. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Bible says that the end of the world, as it grows old, as it concludes its existence, it says that there will be wars everywhere. And I looked in the paper today. I checked some stats today. I wanted to be as current and as relevant as I could as I unpacked this Bible study with you. You know that there are two wars in the Middle East right now. The Palestinian War, the American-allied Iraq War. There are six wars in Asia. There are six wars in Africa. There's one in Europe, Russia and Chechnya. And there's three in Latin America. At least another 17 wars have just in the last 12 months, 17, been suspended. I don't know whether you realise this. But the United States of America, which incidentally is the most powerful nation on earth, spends $528.7 billion a year on war. That's 46% of the world's spending on war. The United Kingdom, Britain, spends $59.2 billion. France, $53.1 billion. Russia, $34.7 billion. Did you know that Australia, and this is not a political statement, it's just a statement of fact, Australia spends $13 billion a year on war. That's $676 per head is spent by our government on war. Only, listen to this, It's true. You may not believe it, but it's true. Only 11 countries in the entire world spend more money on defence than Australia. Incredible, isn't it? There are only four countries, listen to this, only four countries that spend more per capita on weapons than we do. That's the United States of America. They spend $1,700, a whopping $1,756 per head on war. 
Saudi Arabia, $1,152. United Kingdom, $990. France, $875. And there comes Australia. Australia at $676 per head. And wherever you look in the world, you see war. And the wars are not drying up. They're getting worse. They're getting more ferocious. Telling us that the end of world is here. Matthew 24, verse 7. Third sign. Find this very interesting too, verse 7. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. Famines. Listen to this. In the Asian, African and Latin American countries, well over 500 million people are living in what the World Bank calls absolute, absolute poverty. Amazing. Every year, 15 million children die of hunger. Famine tells us that the world is coming to an end. For the price of one missile, one missile, a school full of hungry children could eat lunch every day for five years. Throughout the 1990s, more than 100 million children died of illnesses caused from starvation. Those 100 million deaths could be prevented for the price of 10 stealth bombers. Or what the world spends on its military in two days. It's amazing, isn't it? The World Health Organisation estimates that one third of the world is well fed, one third is underfed and one third is starving. In the last minute that I have been speaking, 200 people have died of starvation. One in 12 people worldwide is malnourished, including 160 million children under the age of five. Tells us that the world is coming to an end, that it's old. The Indian subcontinent has nearly half the world's hungry people. The rest are more or less found in Africa and Asia. And nearly one in four people, that's 1.3 billion, a majority of humanity, live on less than one dollar per day. While the world's 358 top billionaires have assets exceeding the combined annual incomes of countries with 45% of the world's population. This is amazing. Three billion people in the world today struggle to survive on less than two dollars US each day. Oh, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, these are the conditions that will be prevalent, that will be in the world as it grows old and it comes to an end. And and I want to tell you, my friends, it's coming to an end. Luke 21, second great chapter in the Bible that talks about the end of the world. You ought to go and read them if you get time. Luke 21, verse 11. There'll be a great earthquakes, famines and pestilences in various places. Earthquakes. I don't know whether you realise that from Saturday, October 20 to the 23rd, 2007, four days, there were 168 earthquakes in the world. And the earthquakes are growing in their intensity and in their ferocity. And where hundreds were once dying, now thousands are dying. In 1990, not so long ago in western Iran, 50,000 were killed from an earthquake. In 2004 in Indonesia, 284,000. 2005 in Pakistan, 86,000. These are terrible signs that tell us the world is coming to an end. Tsunamis sweeping across the globes in all sorts of places. Fires, bushfires, forest fires, wildfires in the United States. I I, I was just watching the news the other day. 500,000 refugees in Southern California from fires. Amazing stuff. We have them in Australia, they have them in Europe, droughts. The whole world is running out of water. I was talking to a, to a farmer from out Bathurst just a few days ago and he was telling me that if they do not have rain in the next two weeks, the crops will fail again. We've got our Prime Minister for the first time in living memory talking about food shortages. 
because there's not enough water to grow food. And he's talking about importing food. The problem of importing food is that the countries that we would import the food from are having exactly the same problems we are. The world is getting old. It's growing tired and it's coming to an end. Luke chapter 21 verse 11 says there'll be great earthquakes, famines and pestilences. Pestilences in various places. AIDS, more than 25 million people have died of AIDS since 1981. 6,000 young people, listen to this, become infected with AIDS every day. In 2006, 40 million people worldwide had AIDS. 4 million people in 2006 died of AIDS. And it's in Papua New Guinea, I've been up there and I've seen this terrible disease sweeping through that country. In Zimbabwe, South Africa, Mozambique, right around the world in plague proportions. And we have other frightening pestilences, Ebola, bird flu, SARS. And the way these viruses mutate, it has scientists around the world, they're afraid, they're frightened because they cannot fight them because the viruses are mutating so quickly. And I could go on, but I run out of time. I want to conclude because the Bible says something very serious when you start to see these signs. Go home, read Matthew 24, read Luke 21, read 2 Timothy if you get a chance, chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Read what the Bible says the conditions of the world will be like at the end. But I just, I just want to read a few verses as we draw to a close. Matthew chapter 24, verse 32. Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 32, He says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know the summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, all these signs, you know that it is right near. What is right near? The end of the world. He says, I tell you the truth, verse 34, when you see these signs, not one generation will pass away until the end of the world comes, until these things happen. Verse 36, no one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father knows when the world will end. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. From those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man at the end of the world. Matthew 24, 30, 31, last text. Today, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. The end of the world is coming and when it comes, Jesus will return. He's the one who will rescue the world. He will save the world. And if you want to go through these terrible trials, these terrible troubles that the Bible talks about, then you need to have Jesus as a part of your life. You need to invite him into your heart. And with Jesus, with Jesus living deep inside of you, you will walk through these troubles with confidence. You will walk through these troubles with courage. You will walk through these troubles with hope because you know that no matter even if the world falls down around your head, that with Jesus you have hope. And that hope is that As this world dies, he will come back and save you. May that be your experience, I pray. Jesus, hear our prayer. Come into our hearts and save us today. In your name, amen. I've got